Hi everyone, this is Andrea, or Dre, and you're listening to Not Your Heidi. Welcome back to my podcast. I know it's been a little while. I was a little bit busy, a little bit too busy. I prepared this script for this podcast uh, two weeks ago, but you know, things happen in my life and I traveled to Paris. I did this and that and here we are. This is the first episode of September and I'm very excited about it. Although it is, once again, a very serious topic. So without further ado, here we go. My body, my If you're a Margaret Atwood fan, you know that Texas ban on abortion echoes a little too well the Handman's Tale. We're in 2021, and the second largest state of the United States of America has reverted back to the 60s when segregation prevailed and abortion was not yet decriminalized. So if you don't know, on Wednesday, September 1st, a law in Texas banning abortion providers from carrying out terminations after fetal cardiac activity is detected, usually around six weeks into a pregnancy, came into force after the Supreme Court declined to intervene. Before I continue, I want to point out the fact that the technical facts I will be mentioning for today's episode will be based off Javan Javan Ravidran's and Ariane de Vogue's article for CNN. Back to what I was saying. The new Texan abortion law makes no exceptions for rape or incest. The only exception that allows for an abortion to be obtained after six weeks is if a physician believes that the medical emergency exists, according to the language of the bill. Additionally, the law will not be enforced by the state government. Instead, it will be policed by citizens. This means that whoever can sue abortion providers for alleged violations. In other words, the law allows private citizens to bring civil suits against anyone who assists a pregnant person seeking an abortion in violation of the ban. The plaintiff will receive $10,000 from the accused if their case is successful. To which I reply, what in the handman's tail Gestapo is going on in Texas? I've gotta say, for a state where millions of people are freaking out over getting the vaccine because they want the freedom to choose what to do with their bodies, this is very mm, incongruous, to say the least. Apparently, this backward law was first introduced to the Texas House of Representatives and Senate in March. It was called the Heartbeat Act and was signed into law by Republican Governor Greg Abbott in May. Bear in mind, this is the same governor who told his constituents to stop worrying about wearing a mask in the midst of a pandemic. So... He's not the most in-touch-with-science type of guy, if you know what I mean. The name, Heartbeat Act, was disputed among medical professionals because many said it was intentionally misleading. You see, according to science, the Heartbeat Bill is a way of making a 4mm thickening next to a yolk sac seem like it is almost ready to walk. But I'll get into the medical technicality of what a 6-week fetus is like later. The bill came into force after the Supreme Court declined to rule on an emergency request to block the bill, filed by abortion providers. The current Supreme Court is now led by six conservative justices out of the total nine. By the way, with President Trump appointed the three latest addition who are all pro-life. And so, on Wednesday, the court's conservative majority issued a formal denial of the request to block this ban, saying the law could not be blocked at this stage due to complex and novel issues, even though it acknowledged that the clinics had raised serious questions regarding the constitutionality of Texas law. 
the Supreme Court's majority stressed that it had not formed a conclusion about the constitutionality of the law, despite the order coming nearly 24 hours after the law took effect. This is now the tightest abortion restrictions in the US since the 1973 landmark Roe v. Wade. It was a landmark decision of the US Supreme Court in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restriction. It's that very landmark that made a woman's right to end a pregnancy constitutional. So basically, you have the Supreme Court authorizing an abortion ban law to go on without even deciding whether or not the law is constitutional in the first place. Yup, it's madness. My opinion on abortion comes from a scientific, non-religious, and individualist place. I firmly believe that everybody has the right to decide what to do with their bodies. And yes, before you throw the anti-vax argument, I might hold a negative opinion of anti-vaxxers, but at the end of the day, you really do choose what to do with your body. Now, whether you want the privilege to be an active participant in society without being vaccinated is another story. Okay, I'll stop my vaccine tangent now. My point is, your body, your freaking choice. Additionally, I really do have zero patience for men telling women what to do with their reproductive organs, a part of the anatomy that most men barely really know. Let me put it this way. What if women forced all men to be circumcised? Or even more relevant, forbid men to masturbate, seeing you're wasting sperm, which could potentially turn into a fetus, which could turn into a child. It feels like you need to make dumb comparison like this for people to understand because that truly is the type of logic pro-lifers use. They say a couple of weeks old fetus is already a living being, an actual child. So let's examine what a six-week-old fetus truly is, shall we? At six weeks, a fetus is no bigger than a baked bean, and it even looks like a baked bean too, due to its curved shape. What's more important than what it looks like, a six-week-old fetus does not feel pain or has any type of actual brain activity which could qualify the fetus as a living being who thinks, feel, or love. A researcher at the University of California, San Diego, said, Pain is a subjective sensory and emotional experience that requires the presence of consciousness to permit recognition of a stimulus as unpleasant. Therefore, pain stimulus requires recognition, and recognition arrives at a very specific moment in fetal development. Science found that touch is the first sense to develop with receptors present in the fetus's face by week 8, but it takes until week 12 for sensory receptors to develop in palms and soles, and it's not until week 17 that receptors are present in the abdomen. However, the fetus still needs to develop communication pathways to the brain. So, Texas is banning women to stop an embryo from progressing, a progression which, by the way, will take many more weeks before it will start to feel anything. I think what's even more distressing about this ban is the fact that it takes at least six weeks to realize you are pregnant in the first place. And that's considering your period is regular, something many, many, many women do not experience. How many times have we, women, been late without phantoming the fact that we could be pregnant? So all of a sudden, you could be several weeks pregnant before even realizing you are. But for the lucky gals who have regular cycles, you need at least two weeks after missing a period to go, oh shit, I'm late. And that's week six. Now, I know some pro-lifers like to say that if you're ready to have sex, you're ready to be a parent or should deal with the consequences of sex. First of all, the consequence of having sex should be nothing else but an orgasm. 
If you're having sex with the sole purpose of having a kid, that's your prerogative. Or it could also be your religion. But in general, sex is an act driven by hormones that even Jesus himself enjoyed. Just Google Maria Magdalena, wink wink. So put your religion and personal modesty aside for two seconds. Solely based on biology and the fact that we are mammals. Humans have sex, period. Not to mention, when you say pregnancy is a consequence of sex, who's the victim of that consequence here? Because a man can easily just walk away. Women are the ones left there, caring for nearly a whole last year a baby, and women are the ones left dealing with all the symptoms, effects, medical examinations, not to mention birth followed by the stigma and judgment in certain cases. So you're telling me that although two people are having sex, only one will suffer the consequence? That argument is totally outdated and very sexist, to say the least. Now for those who are a little more open-minded and can appreciate that people are having sex without wanting to procreate, but are against abortion because contraceptive exists and people should quote-unquote be responsible, I got news for you. The pill is 99% effective. So there are women out there who flat out get pregnant while on the pill. The condom, 98% effective. No contraceptives are 100% effective. None. So should people suffer as a result of their protection not working? They were technically smashing responsibly. Why the punishment then? Why the judgment? But beside enjoying sex, which is a natural act for us humans, there is something to be said about forcing women to be pregnant because by imposing a woman to carry a child and giving birth, you are creating an entire new range of problems. Serious ones. Ones that are fatal even. Starting with illegal abortions. I don't think pro-lifers grasp the concept that whether abortions are legal or not, women will always, always seek ways to stop a pregnancy, and that can be for so, so many reasons, from being the victim of rape, to being too poor to care for a child, or too young, and so on. And one of the most dangerous things that can happen to a woman is illegal abortion. Because what happens when you don't have access to the safety of doctors and health workers to properly abort in sanitary and controlled conditions? Well, women and young girls seek the help of unqualified people, or worse, do it themselves. These illegal abortions are extremely dangerous and can cause irreversible, debilitating effects, or worse, death. As a matter of fact, the World Health Organization found that each year between 4.7% and 13.2% of maternal death globally can be attributed to unsafe abortion. Moreover, around 7 million women are admitted to hospitals every year in developing countries as a result of unsafe abortion. The annual cost of treating major complications from unsafe abortion is estimated at $553 million. Now, the next part is going to be a little difficult to hear for those who are sensitive to explicit content regarding bodily harm. So skip this part if you do not want to hear about the complications of unsafe abortion. According to the World Health Organization, following unsafe abortion, women may experience a range of harms that affect their quality of life and well-being, with some women experiencing life-threatening complications. The major life-threatening complications resulting from the least safe abortions are hemorrhage, infection, and injury to the genital tract and internal organs. Unsafe abortions, when performed under least safe conditions, can lead to complications such as incomplete abortion, so failure to remove or expel all of the pregnancy tissues from the uterus, hemorrhage, so heavy bleeding, infection, uterine perforation, caused when the uterus is pierced by a sharp object, damage to the genital tract and internal organs by inserting dangerous objects such as a stick, 
knitting needles, or broken glass into the vagina or anus. An online pamphlet about unsafe abortion published by the International Women's Human Rights Clinic, Clinic Georgetown Law read, Unsafe abortion is one of the most easily preventable causes of maternal death and disability. Where death does not result from unsafe abortion, women may experience long-term harms such as uterine perforation, chronic pelvic pain, or infertility. In the pamphlet, they shared several testimonies from women in Uganda, and a woman named Rosaline testified. She said, Without access to safe abortion, they resort to useless and frequently dangerous methods, like herbal combinations. Rosaline first experienced the tragedy of unsafe abortion as a girl. She said, The school administrators called us to see a girl who had died in my village. The girl had taken chloroquine to end a pregnancy. She said, and then we did not take it seriously. We went away laughing, but that is how bad it is in Uganda. I remember another case where the girl, she was told to keep hitting her stomach with a stone, says Rosaline. They do everything. I heard of one recently where they told her to use a stick and pass it through her birth canal and hit until the fetus comes out. Let's now reflect on how desperate women are when they start trying to break the amniotic sac inside the womb with an unbent wire clothes hanger, despite the fact that they will most definitely cause an infection or perforate their intestines and possibly die from it. Imagine pumping plant poison into your body to end your pregnancy, causing you to go into toxic shock and die. Inconceivable, right? Well, millions of women do that every day because their country forbid abortion. So what's the pro-life moral here? Risking women's lives to keep an embryo, which they will most definitely not be adopting or taking care of in any way when the child is born, in the name of religion, in the name of a belief that is not even shared by other people? What if you're not religious and you don't believe in the whole mighty divinity of procreation? I saw something on TikTok the other day that truly resonates with the logic of pro-lifers, which is the following statement. Forbidding people from getting an abortion because of your own personal belief is like me telling you to not eat cakes because I'm on a diet. My conclusion is this. Abortion is a fundamental right and is a private matter as well as a decision reserved to the pregnant person and only that person. Forcing people to go through a pregnancy can be fatal, but it can also lead to resentment, innocent children placed in orphanages, and more. Abortion should never be judged because the person undergoing an abortion is, without a doubt, going through a traumatic experience already and you can be sure that the decision is never made with ease. So what's happening now in Texas? two weeks after the ban came in place. Well, for one, the Biden administration sued Texas over the restrictive abortion law. The lawsuit alleges the federal government has the legal standing to block the law. However, arguing the United States may sue a state to vindicate the rights of individuals and seeking a court order that would block both the Texas government and private citizens from implementing or enforcing the law. So we'll see how this play out. But I really hope for the sake of women and people who can get pregnant that their right to choose what is best for their own body will be kept. That's all I have to say for now. Thank you for listening. Please follow Not Your Heidi on social media, so Twitter and Instagram, as well as on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, rate me, write reviews. These things help so, so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>